Hello, so just a quick heads up for anyone new to this podcast party ahead of today's Cook Along Kitchen conversation. If you do like what you hear here, please be sure to follow along, subscribe um, to Once Upon a Fork and do leave your reviews because these really help other potential listeners find these episodes and they also let me know that I'm along the right lines with the content that I'm publishing here. Um, For those of you who are new to my podcasts, all the ingredients needed for each recipe are posted in the About Each episode, which can be found on the covering page for each post and also um, please do feel free to message me using the button on my home page when I do one-to-one tuition I really enjoy the questions that are thrown up around the content that we're cooking Um, and equally I really love engaging with you all here and your questions do help steer the content of future posts in particular the kitchen tips and time-saving habits that you're always keen to learn about Um, I am committed to sharing all that I know about food and mealtimes across the rapidly growing episodes here, but feel free to fire any specific questions around a dish that I've made um, or your feedback after making it because these are invaluable um, and will of course help other listeners um, and also help me to make sure that I am on the right track, um, that the methods here are working for you guys uh, and that you're finding some advantages and benefits to me rambling on um, and chatting about all of my kitchen and Um, So without further ado, let's push on with today's dish. So today we're making cauliflower and leek cheese, which is one of my favourites. A real long-standing stalwart of my childhood, to be quite honest, with a real gorgeous silky cashmere blanket of cheese sauce and um, really soft, velvety cauliflower. Um, I've coupled it with leeks in latter years, um, mostly because I just try and get loads of veg into anybody that's sitting around my table, if I'm truthful, Um, and also because I've usually got leeks hanging around in the fridge. Um, I'll use them for stocks, I'll use them for soups, um, and as a result, they are sort of one of those go-to things like onions, Um, but I find onions a little bit harsh for this dish, whereas leeks do lend themselves to a rich, cheesy sauce. So uh, we've got friends coming for uh, dinner later, so it makes sense to plan ahead and get this dish made Um, so it can just sit patiently waiting and be popped in the oven just ahead of serving. So um, it's not a tedious dish, uh, but there are a few components to it. So if we push on with those, um, so in the first instance, I've got my cauliflower. So if we start to cook that, then you can hear me rustling with its packaging. Um, We want to trim the outer leaves off that, which is the first thing. And I think... In my childhood, certainly, we used to give these outer leaves to our pet rabbits and guinea pigs. Um, I think a friend has recently told me that actually they're not supposed to have these, um, so I don't know what the current status is on that. Uh, but in any, any regard, we don't want to be eating them here. So just remove the outer leaves from your cauliflower. Um, there is a knack to finding a cauliflower that's going to fit the size of your table. So I'm one of these weirdos that go through the supermarket um, sort of smelling veg, picking up fruits, knocking them, making sure they're not bruised. Lots of people look on thinking, who's the peculiar woman in aisle one? Um, but with cauliflowers, they all come as a standard price, whether you're in the greengrocer or whether you're in the supermarket. And the irritant here is that they actually, the outer leaves can really disguise the size of the cauliflower head. And we've got eight crowding our table later, and I need the largest cauliflower head imaginable um, because they are priced per unit. So if you're going to pay a price per unit, make sure that you get one that fits um, the party size that you've got. This one is the size, I would say, of a fully grown adult's head. Um, now, 
some of the cauliflowers that were alongside it were the size of a brand new newborn's head, which is not going to be big enough to feed eight of us. So I, as a measure, will push my hands, and I've got very big hands by the way, uh, open them as wide as I can and put my hand inside the leaves to feel the circumference of the cauliflower. Um, and sometimes you're never going to win. You're going to find that every single one of them is the size of the tennis ball. Um, but this apparently is from Cornwall. Uh, it did say on its packaging and it is rather a good size. So it is going to be sufficient to feed us all. Um, it's just me being frugal because if I had to buy two or even three of the smaller cauliflowers, then that's three times as much money. So all you're going to do is... I've cut the stalk off the end which is the really tough bit that everything sort of protrudes and grows from and then using a sharp kitchen knife um so like a kitchen devil or something you just want to right close to the base where all the florets kind of come from you just want to trim all of those off so you've still got a length of stalk on each you certainly don't just want the delicate little fronds on the heads um, you do want some of those lovely stalks but equally it's a little bit tough and woody the centre of this cauliflower um, so we will discard that at the end interestingly that can actually be blitzed up and made into cauliflower rice um, or it can be just blitzed up and, and roasted in the oven so it's not entirely to waste but for the purpose of my cauliflower cheese it's not going to be joining the party um, so if you just carefully cut those away now you do want to try and make sure that they are where possible equally sized which is nigh impossible with the cauliflower because of course it grows to any which specification and there's really no rhyme or reason as to the size of each floret but the reason you're trying to get some uniformity to those sizes is only because of the cooking time so the larger the floret the longer it's going to take to cook if you've got tiny ones and large ones there's going to be disproportionate cooking times and therefore you're going to find some are cooked quicker than others um, so try where possible to keep those roughly the same size I also try and measure when I'm sort of breaking the florets up, the size that people are going to want to put on their plate, because again, if they're too big, people are a bit intimidated, people take a little bit. So if they can be of a similar size and the size that A, will fit on a spoon if somebody's serving themselves from the dish, and secondly, they're not going to look like they've taken all the cauliflower cheese, um, then that's a much better uh, sort of size that we're going to be looking for. And then you just want to get a pan of water and bring that to the boil on your stove. Now, as I've mentioned, my stove is rather temperamental, so I am um, hoping that that's not going to take too long to get to the boil. I have put it on a high heat on the stove. Whilst we're doing that, we're going to trim our leeks. So you want, I've used four leeks. Um, they're medium-sized, I guess. They, a couple are a bit skinnier than others. What we're going to do is take off the at the end, the, sort of a tiny little bit of the white end, and we're going to trim those leaves at the top and remove in part some of the green, but I do always retain a little bit. I'm not one of these purists that just wants the white of a leek. Um, crucially though, leeks do get really muddy, so what we are going to need to do is once I've cut those ends off, is we want to remove any outer leaves that are um, either a bit manky or they are um, dirty and they're looking a little bit tired. Um, but certainly remove probably a layer or two of the outer leaves of the leek and then I don't want to cut them lengthways but what I'm going to do is just put a little slit in the top of each one which is going to make cleaning them easier and you only need to cut across sort of once uh, just cut into the leek only maybe a centimetre into the top and and then when we go across in a second to rinse these uh, we can sort of peel those leaves away slightly to make sure that we get um, get them properly cleaned. So 
we'll get those done and just run those under the tap and get that all the grubby little bits out and then what we have got is a knob of butter and we're just going to melt that gently in the pan before we add the leek so i'm always going to cook off the vegetables slightly uh, just to give them a helping hand ahead of going in the oven and the leeks are no exception to that so take a decent sized frying pan that's going to be able to easily accommodate your leeks you don't want them crowding the pan and you'll hear me find one and then what we will look to do is simply melt that knob of butter over a, a fairly kind heat. Um, certainly burned leeks taste really bitter. So the last thing that we want to do is in any way scorch these so they've got singed edges. Okay, so of your 100 grams of butter, um, take 15 grams of it and we're gonna melt that gently in the aforementioned frying pan. Um, Probably you may or may not know this, but it's something I always do point out to clients I'm working with. The most butter packs, when you look at the and unfoil them and pull the foil apart or the, the wrapping, there is actually a measure along one side, uh, usually in 50 gram markers. So you can quite easily see, you can line that up with the butter and you can see um, at a glance 50 grams at a time, uh, which gives you a bit more of an indicator when you're cutting your butter as to, uh, to where you need to be cutting it. So that is just one of the tips that I often do point out to people. Um, some are aware, others aren't, but yeah, it is quite a useful little tool. So we're going to melt the butter in the pan and we've got the remaining butter that we're going to our bechamel. And then all we're going to do is cut the leeks across ways. I'm not trimming them lengthways and I have no want to do that. I want to keep the leeks so they're quite chunky. So I'm cutting them into inch long, sort of um, inch wide sort of circles, discs, I guess you'd call them. Um, across the girth of each leek and then they will just, with a pinch of salt and pepper, nestle in the pan. Um, they're probably a, a small inch, if you can get a small inch. Uh, I'm really rubbish with measurements, as you'll probably realise. And I'm known to change my mind as I go along as well. So when I've been cooking in the kitchen with people, I sort of mix it up halfway through. I am trying to keep some consistency here for the purpose of these. Otherwise, you guys are not going to be able to follow along easily. Um, so just get all of those cut. And then I'm going to just take the pan from the heat and put the leeks into that. You can hear those going into the pan. There we go. So they're in a single layer in the pan and then you're not going to get any overcrowding there. And then I'm going to just add a pinch of salt and pepper to that. Um, I keep my salt and pepper in pinch box adjacent to the stove. That makes sure that I've got them easily available as and when I need them. Uh, I'm not tasked with twisting a pepper mill uh, nor am I tasked with the same process around getting salt. Um, and I am a well, a purist or a dedicated follower of mould and salt flakes. Uh, I know that a lot of chefs do use them. I'm not a chef. Uh, I'm quick to point that out. Um, and they are all quite pricey. So people do think I'm a bit odd for the fact that I'm committed to making sure that I use mould and salt flakes in all instances. Um, however, they, they break up beautifully in your hand. They taste really nice. They're not overly salty, which sounds a bit daft. Uh, and they are really lovely that they do crumble. So 
even though they're they're quite a nice um you've got crunch with them you've got sort of crystals you can easily break those down if you want with your fingers before you add your seasoning um crucially with the heat around the leeks you only want a moderate heat so i've got my temperamental oven set at um sort of seven against a total of 12 that you can ratchet it up to and i'm just going to push those around the pan. Um, and I'm also going to place a lid on. The simple purpose for that is that it will enable, as the heat builds in the pan, for um, the vegetables to start to sweat in that steam. So if you pop a lid on, um, you do need to make sure that by doing that, you do keep your heat moderate, otherwise they will scorch on the underside. Now, hopefully your pan um, for your cauliflower is just about coming to the boil now like mine is. So without further ado, we can pop our cauliflower in there and get all of that starting to cook. Um, do be careful when you pop it in because obviously the water can splash up. And pop all of that in the water. I will in a second add a pinch of salt to this as well. Again, those favoured mould and salt flakes. You do need to make sure that all the cauliflower is submerged below the waterline. So if needs be, do top that up once the cauliflower is in. And then just allow that to come to the boil. Now, whilst the cauliflower is cooking and those leeks are nicely sweating in the butter, we need to make our bechamel sauce. Now, the bechamel is um, an intimidating little beast, it would seem for quite a few people. So, whenever I show people how to make a bechamel, um, I never measure, I use my eyes and I stir fastidiously and uh, with pace with a balloon whisk and I'm not in any which way concerned about any lumps that might appear at the start because I know they will easily be pushed out as we work the milk into it. Um, it is, I think it's called the one one pan method or something. Um, I know people, again, who will use warm milk to make a bechamel. Um, I'm not saying that isn't right. It isn't something I do, probably because I look just to cut corners and fastest route possible to getting it to the table and still tasting great. Um, crucially, we've got our nutmeg that's going to go in there. I've got some Dijon mustard that will also go in there. Um, I am trying to be accurate around the weights and measures that I'm putting into these dishes. Um, I tend to use terminology like a lick of Dijon, um, a whisper of garlic. I um, conclude that these aren't actual measurements that are known widely across kitchens. So um, I am, as we go along, trying to use um, things like teaspoons to make sure that you guys are understanding the amounts. So I've got um, the milk here in a jug, which we will add as we go. But first things first, we need a, a clean, uh, fairly decent sized pan for this, because I'm a believer that well, cauliflower cheese needs to know about the cheese sauce. It's all about the cheese sauce for me, to be quite honest, and less about the cauliflower. Um, and again, I'm one of these that I really favour a cheese sauce that lays as thick as that first blanket of snow in deep midwinter. Um, all too often you can go to places and the cauliflower is just swimming in this watery kind of white sauce that thinks it's got some cheese somewhere along the way um, that's definitely not for me so this one will lay like that blanket of snow um, it will coat each floret of cauliflower it will disguise the leeks within um, it will have that undercarriage of mustard and nutmeg that add depth of flavor to it and then of course there'll be so much cheese thrown at it um, for good measure so if you grab your pan 
and first things first we want a um, just a moderate heat on the stove to start to melt the butter now we've got 85 grams of butter left or should have uh, what I would suggest is that you cut that butter into small chunks and it's only to make it melt faster um, so if you sort of take your block cut it in half lengthways and then cut across ways you should end up with a dozen or so smaller lumps of butter so we want to pop the butter in the pan and let that melt um, you need to keep the heat um, I'd say at the up end of moderate whatever that means and whatever your interpretation of that is now the thing here is you need to work fast um, and the reason being is that the flour and the butter is going to come together and form a paste um, now this is the basis of a white sauce in all instances which is essentially called a roux and that is melting equal parts of flour and butter so um to the not even trained eye but just one that makes a lot of white sauce and bechamel you kind of start to get an idea of what the proportions need to look like when it comes to um the ratio of flour to butter but for the purpose of anyone that's not making these every day for the last 10 years you um for the 85 grams of butter i want um three slightly raised tablespoons of plain flour uh, and that is going to be plenty thick enough to make sure that we've got the consistency we want for our cheese sauce so we need to add the flour to the melted butter and with a balloon whisk which is one of those very nice cheap metal sort of whisks that you just hold and whisks things around you need to cook out your flour um, because otherwise you end up with that quite powdery taste to your sauce which we most certainly don't want so we need to give that a stir and you do have to in this instance keep stirring that there is no half measures here you can't step away from the stove because it will just catch on the pan um, all the pans I use are non-stick um, or aluminium uh, this is just a really nice heavy base aluminium pan and uh, perfect for making sauces so you'll see the mixture come together so you've got this sort of paste almost now um, where the flour has been absorbed by the butter and it's sort of um, yeah it is it's like a, a paste so when we're going to add the milk in a second which I've got in a jug just to pour in it will immediately all pull together and go really lumpy and this is the bit where people start to think oh no I've done it all wrong um, don't be afraid is my advice so the flour should be sufficiently cooked out now to add the milk so what we're going to do and that's me just shaking my leeks and making sure that they're all happy in their pan we are going to pour with whichever hand you're not stirring with in this instance mine's left and add that to the pan and immediately as the heat gets to that milk it's going to start to thicken and go lumpy um, persevere just keep stirring the pan i've poured probably a third of my milk into there and i'm just going to keep working it quite vigorously with my balloon whisk uh, not worrying about these lumps too much again it's really really thick at the moment so i'm going to add another third of the milk there the pan is still over the heat and you want to just continue quite carefully so you're not flicking milk all over your kitchen to add more milk so that's now going into the pan and again i've got quite a nice thick sauce there um, and you should if you're where I'm at, see that those lumps have almost disappeared now, but you've still got a really thick sauce that would be too thick to uh, even slother cauliflower in. 
Now add your milk now in stages because we want to get the sauce to a consistency that we're happy with. Uh, it may be that you're a fan of a looser sauce than me, so by all means slosh more milk in. Um, do work the ingredients a bit at a time. So we've got, by my reckoning, I'm probably three quarters of the way with the, the milk now. And the sauce is coming together nicely. It's quite thick. I know that it's gonna coat the, the vegetables nicely. And just giving that time to come to the boil. You can hear over here, I've got my leeks in the pan. They're just starting to wilt now. And I'm gonna add final splash of this milk just so the sauce is slightly looser because by the time I've added the cheese that also adds a rigidity to the sauce and again we don't want to be cutting the sauce with a knife and fork so we've got that there now I've probably got yeah 50 ml of the milk left um, I will keep that aside for now and if I need to add it later once the cheese has gone in and I'm concerned the sauce is too thick, I will do. Um, so there we have it. Now I'm going to remove the pan briefly from the heat just to give me a chance to work on getting the other ingredients into that. So we have the Dijon mustard. Um, again, quite a kind mustard by comparison to its English counterpart. So I'm going to add a slightly raised um, teaspoon of Dijon and then I'm going to grate in some of the nutmeg. It's much harder to explain um, the kind of measure of nutmeg because it comes in a lovely hard little ball but if you take um, just a, a nice small grater setting for want of a better word um, and just grate that in back and forth and just, um, it, it's just like a really nice fine dust. And if you're doing it for the same length of time as me, we should be there or thereabouts adding the same amount. Again, it's entirely down to you as to the flavor. So I'm gonna, uh, I do quite like nutmeg to be honest. So I've got that going in there. And now what we want to do is take our cauliflower out the pan before we return the bechamel to the stove and simply drain that, otherwise it will overcook. Um, so a colander is sufficient, so take your, your uh, cauliflower off the stove and just decant that into a, uh, a large colander and then just pop it back on top of your pan and allow all the remaining water to drain from that and set aside. Uh, I'm also just gonna take the leeks off the heat and have a quick look at those. So I can see that they are wonderfully wilted now. Um, they've still got some shape to them, which I want, because they are gonna cook out further beneath that blanket of cheese sauce and touch amongst the leeks. So again, you can see that they will have sufficiently softened. I don't want them to be a mushy pulp of nothing. Um, there's the lovely pinches of pepper there just clinging to some of those leeks um, and they are sufficiently cooked now. Um, if yours aren't quite soft enough for any reason or you feel you want them a bit softer, by all means just leave them on the heat. And again, it's about an instinctive eye in some cases and you being able to sort of look and think, yeah, I just want a bit more heat behind those before we use them. Um, but mine certainly are soft enough and if I take them off the heat and leave the lid on them for now whilst we finish off the bechamel that will of course keep the heat in there longer uh, and enable further softening before we start to assemble the dish. So 
Returning our bechamel to the stove, you need to keep in mind, you need to have your cheese now to hand, which we will melt into the sauce as we stir it. So I've got my pan here with the bechamel. So we've got our Dijon mustard in there and our nutmeg. And then I can use the same grater that I've used for my nutmeg. And I've got the, the cheese. So I'm gonna pop that into there. I do want to keep a bit in reserve just to put on the top. Um, so again, judgment down to you on that. Uh, there doesn't need to be a great deal, but enough so that it gives color to the top of the dish when it's re removed from the oven later. So just literally grate your cheese. Um, this is kind of a medium setting I'm using on the grater. So we don't need it to be too fine because the heat from the pan will do the hard work here and enable that cheese to render itself to sort of a, a liquid form. So we pop that in there and get it all into the pan. This cheese sauce, by the way, can be used for a multitude of things. So not limited to cauliflower and leek cheese. It's a great standby cheese sauce to um, use for macaroni cheese. There's a really nice recipe I have for a chicken and cauliflower bake that also leans on pasta as sort of the, the mainstay of the dish. Um, but everything's enveloped in this lovely sauce, of sort of cashmere cheese. Um, and equally, you can use this cheese sauce if you want to um, slather it on top of a lasagna or you're looking to make a bolognese gratin um, so it does it's very versatile you can adjust the cheese depending on what the sauce's end purpose is so i wouldn't add as much cheese for example if i was making a bechamel um, but i am one of those that do like to put some cheese in the bechamel regardless of the origins of this dish not actually requiring it um, equally um, you can make a roux and keep that, that being the flour and butter mix that we started off with. And you can make that in quite a large proportion and then keep that in the fridge. So if you are a fan of making sauces and you want that bit of the meal already done and out the way, then you can keep that in the fridge for a few days, uh, which lots of chefs do in restaurant kitchens. And then you just take out the bits that you need and, and start each sauce. So I've reserved, um, well, I can check on my scales and tell you, for the purpose of the top of this dish, I reserve 50 grams of my 150 grams of cheese. So we're gonna stir that into the cheese sauce and return the pan to the heat. Now you'll see that A, your sauce suddenly appears lumpy because of course all that cheese is yet to melt. Um, and it's also really, very thick. So I'm gonna add the remainder of the milk to that just to loosen that and give that a good stir. So we've got all of that there. And at this point, you do just want to get enough heat beneath that sauce to make sure that it comes to the boil and doesn't thicken further. So we've got, just getting some heat, as you can hear my stove, probably a little bit temperamental. And the good thing about this, it's brilliant for um, keeping your arms toned. So it's no surprise to learn that those that are working hard in the kitchen, um, bent over a stove and stirring and lifting and doing all manner of things, do actually find that bingo wings are less of a problem. Um, so I've got now a really, really silky sauce. 
Um, I'm now going to add my salt and pepper. And then the key to all of this, so I've added two, three pinches of salt and pepper, and those pinches are between um, my farmer's thumb, as in the size of it is so big, my middle finger and my forefinger. Uh, so I'm going to get that in there. Uh, I'm also going to add some salt, and then that's just one generous pinch. And then I'm going to taste, and in fact I'm going to actually put another pinch of salt in there because we have high, a high salt palette and give that a good stir. So what I've got now is a really, really nice thick coatable sauce that's going to cling to those vegetables. Um, now breaking with tradition here, I'm also going to add a um, spoon of whole grain mustard. Um, I find it rather pretty in the dish. Um, I do quite like a cheese sauce that packs a punch, so I'm not looking for one that's quite willicky and can't really stand up to, to anything else on the plate. Um, and certainly we're cooking it out with pork um, and a number of fairly bland ingredients, dare I say. So adding that spoonful, and it's only a heaped table, a teaspoon, so it's nothing too alarming, but at the same time it is going to ensure that you've got a little bit of um, feistiness to your sauce. If it isn't what you want, or if you know that if people spot those whole grain seeds, they're going to balk at the idea of eating it, then of course just omit those. So pop that into your sauce. You can hear the lid coming off the mustard there. And then give it a stir. And then is it this bit that you need to start to taste? Um, because you only you will know whether that sauce is to your liking. So that's where being a chef has its uses. So I've got my tasting spoon. It's plenty cheesy enough. Um, it's got enough underbelly from the mustards that we've added. And it's plenty thick enough to know that it's going to sufficiently coat those vegetables. So we're now going to assemble our dish. Um, be mindful of choosing a dish that it can be added mostly in a single layer, so you don't want to just have it all piled up. Equally, you don't want a dish where there's elements of it that just sit empty. So it, it can be a case of trial and error. Um, and also, I know that I'm going to be serving the cauliflower from this dish at the table, so I am giving some thought to what's actually going to look nice when we're sat around the table eating later. So I've got an earthenware dish, suitable to go in the oven, so no concerns there that it may in any which way break. And I've got our drained cauliflower, so we'll take that across to the dish. Um, and the leeks, and I sort of add them in equal part. I poke the leeks in amongst the cauliflower. Um, but you can just upend your colander to get your cauliflower in there. And I'm game with the leeks. Take the pan, and using the spoon that I've been stirring them with, just sort of tuck them in amongst the cauliflower there, pushing them down towards the bottom. Um, I always find that if I disguise them in the bottom of the dish, the children at the table are far less likely to spot them. So you can hear there, we've got all the leeks out the pan. And this can be made in advance, by the way, to this stage. And you can literally slather it with the cheese sauce and then pop it in the fridge and just simply pop it in the oven later on, probably half an hour before you're ready to sit down and eat. And then it's all done for you. From an aesthetic point of view, I try and keep the 
cauliflower florets so that they are um, sort of right side up, so they look like little flower heads tucked into the bowl rather than the stalks and stems upending. Um, but it's again, that's just me being um, a bit of an OCD freak. So got all of them in there. And then the sauce, we will simply pour over with the use of a spatula. going to just coat beautifully across the cauliflower um, and then to finish so I've got that so we've absolutely covered the cauliflower entirely now my head of cauliflower would boast is of a rather generous size um, so there might be if your cauliflower is a lot smaller then there might be some sauce left over the sauce freezes so don't be afraid to label it up and stick it in your freezer and keep it for another occasion or make tomorrow night's supper a macaroni cheese knowing that you've already got the bulk of that dish in your armory so that's settled nicely on the vegetables and the remaining cheese I'm going to take and just grate all over the surface there so that will give a lovely wonderful goldenness to the top um, and we haven't got a guest arriving yet for ages, um, otherwise I probably wouldn't be recording this. So I'm going to just pop this aside, leave it to cool sufficiently before I put it in the fridge, and then we will pop it in the oven later on. Um, so just to recap on that cooking time, it needs to go in for between 25 and 30 minutes at a middle heat, so probably 180 uh, in a fan-assisted oven. I believe that to be somewhere like gas mark 5. Um, but again, you'll know your oven timings. Your cauliflower is mostly cooked through, so we're not looking for the oven to do that job. Um, the leeks are softened sufficiently, so all we're really wanting from it is for it to get back up to a piping heat, brown the cheese on top, uh, and make sure that the, the dish is warm through to the centre. Um, and that is everything. So I hope you've enjoyed today's tutorial. I hope the cauliflower cheese is to your liking. Feel free to tweak and adjust as needs be. If you prefer yours less cheesy, by all means, cut back on that. If you are not such a fan of mustard, then um, use scant spoonfuls rather than the generous measures that I've used. Nutmeg, I would say, is very much part of a bechamel and cheese sauce, so please don't shy away from nutmeg. And actually, I use nutmeg in abundance in so many dishes. It goes into stroganoffs goes into loads of sauces i use it in a pasta dish i make so again it's one of those stock staples that i do keep in my store cupboard so don't think it'll be a wasted investment buying a jar of nutmeg um, but for now thank you very much for listening along um, i hope you enjoy today's dish and i look forward to your feedback and comments um, and again please do subscribe here um, and follow along and be sure to share um, this post with your friends and family that you think might enjoy it too thanks again bye